actually going to do something I don't think I've ever done before. I'm going to preach from my dad's scripture message uh, from Mark chapter 4. Yes, thank you. Yes. I know. Wearing my big boy pants now. We're going into, <laughs> we're going into deep waters. Okay. And so I want to, uh, let, let's just read it together. I mean, literally, we all probably could quote it off by heart. Um, but this is what it says. Mark chapter 4, I'm going to go from verse 3, and we're going to go to verse 8. So this is basically Jesus. He is uh, the backstory of this. He's beginning to preach to a multitude, and there's so many people that have, you know, come onto this beach that they literally have pushed him off of the beach, and he had to get into a boat and start preaching on a boat because so many people show up, okay? So this is serious Jesus crusade, okay? And this is what he says. He says, listen to this. Behold, the sower went out to sow, and as he was sowing, some seed, fell, some seed fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate it up. Other seed fell on the rocky ground where it didn't have much soil, and immediately it sprang up because they, it had no depth of soil. And after the sun had risen, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. Other seeds fell into the good soil, and as they grow up, they, as it grew up, it increased and yielded a crop that produced 30, 60, and 100 fold. And then Jesus said, let's pray. Because <laughs> you're all about to be dismissed, okay? Jesus' crusades weren't very exciting. I mean, that was it. It says that at this point, like, he left, okay? And so from this, we understand that there is so much truth that is uh, captured inside of this passage of Scripture. So let's just pray before we get started. Because I want to kind of take a different approach to this than probably what you're expecting. So Heavenly Father, we're asking just this evening that you would just grace us, Lord, with your presence. Lord, we know that you desire to be with us. You desire to live in us, that you desire to, 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 to be amongst us. And so Holy Spirit, we just welcome your presence right now. I know, Heavenly Father, your desire is always to have signs and wonders follow the preaching of the word. And so, Heavenly Father, I'm asking that you would just release that, just, just the, the effervescence of your glory, God, just the, the, the overwhelming nature of your presence, Lord, that it would just come and transform areas on the inside of our heart. God, we know that one word from you can and will change our life forever. So we declare to our ears that they hear. We declare to our heart that it receives. And we declare tonight that we'll receive the truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so one of the biggest things, honestly, that I hate in life is this, okay? I hate that when people use things that you say against you, okay? Does everybody know what I'm talking about? I, this is one of those things that I loathe, okay? And, you know, it, it, it's, I feel like it's just so rude, right? Like, I'm up here on my high horse, right? And I'm preaching to you, and it's rude that you would knock me off my high horse, okay? I like being up high. I like feeling better than you. And so how dare you come and knock me off my high horse, right? I mean, that's how I feel at least. And, you know, this happened to me recently. Uh, after my Aunt Jenny preached, she made this amazing statement. Um, and she said this, that after everything that you say or that you think, say, and that's just the way I like it, <laughs> right? Okay? And this sounds amazing because you'd be like, well, I'm blessed, and that's just the way that I like it, okay? But I kind of took it for a little bit of a twist. And so as me and Danielle are at our house and we're talking and we're interacting, like she would say something. She's not really a complainer, but sometimes, you know, things speak out of her mouth. 
And, and she'd be like, I don't even, I'm trying to think of like something she would say. Is she in here? Sorry, honey, I love you. Um, and so let's say that she said something like, you know, I don't, I don't feel good. And then I would, you know, she'd be like in the room and I'd like peep my head in the door and I'd be like, and that's just the way I like it, right? And I'm just like riding her on it, right? Because, I mean, it's just a fun thing to do and we laugh or whatever. Well, I laugh, she gets mad. But... <laughs> You know, it's happening, and, you know, I'm really nailing it, okay? Like, she's doing things, and, like, you know, I just, like, pop into the room, and I'm like, yeah, that's just the way that I like it, right? And I'm doing this all the time. And then finally, right, you know, and I'm riding this thing, and it's feeling good, right? Because it feels good to be up high, okay? And I'm like, yo, babe, I'm so much better than you. And then what happens? I mean, it always happens, okay? I have a moment, and I slip, okay? And don't you know that, right? Okay. Sweet vindication for my wife. Here she comes, like, waltzing in the room. And it's like a really long pause, okay? Like, it's not like she caught it, but I'm hearing her slowly walk over to me, right? And she peeps her head in the door, and she looks at me, and she's like, and that's just the way that I like it, okay? And honestly, oh, it makes me so angry. You're always like, don't use my words against me, okay? And that's honestly how I felt. And, you know, as I was thinking about um, talking about Mark chapter 4, as I was speaking to the Lord, this is probably a, a couple of weeks ago now, just about this concept, because uh, for those of you who know, we've really been on a journey this year uh, with my aunt and with my dad and the things that he's been talking about, with all of these things, right, this question, what if I believe, is that we've really begun this year to challenge ourselves uh, in the very simple fact of what's actually going on on the inside of me. Right? What is going on in my mind? What am I thinking about? What are the words that are coming out of my mouth? And we've really been challenging ourselves uh, in this place. And, and in the realm of thoughts, like in the thought world, I would have to say my personal testimony of where God has brought me from has very much been through uh, me understanding and learning how to get the victory in my mind. Okay? Probably more so than any victory that I have needed in my own life I've needed to get the victory of controlling the things that I think about, okay? Because when we hear of the continuum that my aunt was talking about, it was probably a month ago, which was an amazing message. You should go back online and watch it. Uh, what she was talking about is the continuum that's like our thoughts become our emotions, that become our decisions, that become our actions, that become our habits, that become our character, that become our destiny. Thank you, Aunt Jenny. Woo, we love you. We've been learning about this, and we've been learning about this continuum, about how easy it is for us to take control of the destiny that God has placed on the inside of us. That it's actually not haphazard. It's not that God is picking certain people to achieve their destiny or do great things, and hopefully you get picked, but if you don't get picked, well, you know, too bad for you. We understand from this that that's actually not at all the limiting factor in our lives. The limiting factor is all the way very at the very beginning of the continuum is do we understand what it looks like to control the thoughts that we're thinking in our head? Because whether we want to believe it or not, the thoughts that we're thinking in our head, eventually down the road, maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but they become the outcome of our destiny, okay? And this is the way that God has created it for us, right? We know the scripture that tells us what? That we have to renew our spirit. No, he tells us that we have to renew our mind. He tells us that we have to take every thought captive and bring it into subjection of the word. Why? Because the things that we think about 
eventually become our destiny. And so as I was reading uh, Mark chapter 4, I, 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 the Lord really uh, challenged me to begin to look at it the other way. Because uh, what I noticed about Mark 4 is we think about Mark 4 from the sense of what is hindering me from being able to get the truth into my heart. And we would say, well, I want to make sure that my heart is that fourth type of soil, that it's the good soil, okay? I don't want the wayside. I don't want the thorns. I don't want the thin soil. I don't want those kind of soils in my heart. I want my heart to be the good, fertile soil, okay? And the Lord challenged me. He, he, he kind of asked me, would you try to think of it the other way around? That yes, you definitely want good soil when it comes to the truth, but you definitely want bad soil when it comes to the lies, okay? Because isn't that something, and I mean, this is one of the things that I've realized, is that it, it, uh, it's easy, you know, for my five minutes a day that I do my 20 confessions to think positive thoughts about myself and just pump my brain with it. Actually, what's more of a challenge, truthfully, throughout my day is that it is the battle that I have to do against the negative thoughts. Is that not true? I mean, it's easy, you know, to, to kind of take a moment and think positive things, right? Because we know the Lord, and we know the presence of the Lord, and we know the truth. And so there's like, there's a goodness and a positive emotion that comes from thinking about the truth. And that's awesome. But the majority of people where they actually struggle is in this area of, of not knowing how to combat a negative thought when it comes into their head. Is that not true? Like, don't you experience that? I've experienced that in the past where there's just some things. I mean, I talk about things all the time. I was telling the interns, uh, uh, I think it was yesterday, about the different battles that I've had to win. You know, when I was younger, probably up until the age of like 17, I had like crazy anger. Okay, like I was so angry. Like I would like beat my sisters up. Okay, I'm so sorry about that. But I just didn't know how to control. I mean, I would literally sometimes, yeah, literally like, it's not my fault. Like Bart Simpson, right? It's not my fault. If you, if you walk in, I'm going to, okay. <laughs> Different story. Sometimes I would literally get so angry, right, that I would have so much, like, emotion that would rise up on the inside of me that I, like, clench my fist so hard because I d honestly didn't know what to do. And I'm here to tell you something that the way that I won the victory over that was I learned how to control the negative thoughts. Okay, I discovered the pattern of thinking that I would fall into that would lead me to that anger. Okay, fast forward, you know, well, actually not fast forward, go backwards to my whole life where I was always afraid of getting sick. Literally for no reason, I was crazy healthy. I don't, literally don't think I've had to go to the doctors in probably 20 years because I'm so healthy. But uh, because of, there was a stronghold in my mind, okay, I constantly would think that I would get sick. Okay, how did I overcome it? What? Controlling the thoughts that are happening in my head. Okay, I was afraid of the dark. Okay, I would sleep in my parents' bedroom until I was 17 years old because I was so afraid of the dark. Okay, I'm here to tell you something though. When I was 17 years old, I had already been going to the, oh, going to the church, going to church for probably 16 of those 17 years. But nothing changed until I decided to do battle against the negative thoughts. For most people, what keeps us stuck is that we don't understand what it looks like to do battle against the negativity, okay? And so as I was thinking about Mark 4, what I realized was I actually want my heart to be bad soil for bad thoughts, okay? 
I don't want to have good soil. And I think that sometimes, right, the difficulty in the process is, is, is that we have bad soil for the truth and good soil for the lies, okay? I think that's kind of the beginning for all of us, right? It's so easy to worry about your bills, but it's so hard to meditate for three minutes about prosperity, okay? I mean, I think that that's just the reality for so many people. But the process in understanding is, is how do I begin to combat those negative thoughts? How do I produce just an inhospitable environment for lies to grow in my heart, okay? Because Mark 4 teaches us ways that the enemy uses in order to keep the truth out of our heart. So I figured, let's use the enemy's tactics against him, okay? If he's figured out how to keep the truth out of our hearts, let's just use what he's figured out to figure out how to keep the lies out of our heart, okay? And so, because that's what I want, right? I want my mind to be bad soil for the lies, okay? I don't want to meditate on negativity, okay? It's easy in the world that we live in, right, to think negative thoughts, okay? Like, we are bombarded constantly, with the opportunity to think negatively. That's just a reality, okay? Don't be in denial pretending like, oh, it never happened to me. Okay? It happens to us all. And we must choose to be vigilant and fight again. That's why the scripture says what? Take every thought and bring it into to subjection, to captivity of the word. Every, every thought, okay? Science tells us that we think 50 to 70,000 thoughts every day, okay? That's, that's quite the vigilant attitude, okay? So number one, let's take a look at Mark 4 in reverse, okay? It's not very often that you'll hear a preacher say, you don't want good soil, okay? But tonight, you don't want good soil. So number one, the first thing that we read about in Mark chapter 4 is he talks to us about the seeds that fell on the roadside and the birds came and ate them up, okay? Now, when you go down a little bit further in that passage, Jesus gives the explanation of actually what he was preaching about. And he says that what happens is, is that when the word is sown, that there is a response where immediately Satan comes to steal the word. That you hear the word of God, it's preached to you, the truth is given to you, and before you even realize it came, it's already gone, okay? Like a bird would just pecking up a seed off the ground, the enemy comes and he snatches it off of us, okay? So, <coughs> excuse me, when we look at this, you, this is, I mean, this is very simple. The best thing that you can do with a negative thought is just pluck it up and throw it out, okay? A thought has the least amount of power when you catch it as quick as possible. Okay, let's think about it from how we talk about the truth, right? How do we get the truth in our heart to really begin to take root? What do we do? We think about it, we rehearse it, we talk about it, okay? The same thing is the truth for when we're dealing with negative thoughts. That if I don't want a negative thought to grow in my life, what I have to do is as fast as possible, like the word says, immediately I have to act 
and take that negative thought and do whatever I need to do in order to remove it, okay? Um, and, and let me tell you, there is never a time, there's never a good time to have a bad thought, okay? There is never a good time to think about something negative. Every single negative thought that tries to come into your head has all the power and the potential to rob you of the blessing, okay? I don't, I don't want to freak you out, okay? I want to empower you to understand that this is a very strong position that we have to take where we take control of the mind that God has given to us. There's never a good time to think of a negative thought because that negative thought wants to bring you down into depression, discouragement, despair, okay? So as we act like Mark 4 says, that when the word, right, I, I hear the thought pops into my head, my immediate response needs to be that I go to it and I immediately do the best thing that I can do to remove it. Steal it as though the thought never even entered into my mind. That it was here one second, the next second, it's gone. Okay? That's the best place that you could be. You literally give it no time. It doesn't even make it into the soil, okay? It just kind of like falls to the side. You pick it up, toss it in the garbage, okay? So thoughts are easiest to beat when they're just the seed, right? You wake up in the morning and the enemy tells you you're ugly. It's true. It happens to people. But the problem is that most people, they wake up and they look in the mirror and they're like, oh, dear God, I am ugly. <laughs> Never you, you're also beautiful. Okay? And they spend 15, 20, 30, honey, do you think I'm ugly? You know? I wonder if I'm ugly. I wonder if, okay, no. What is, what's this, this, this soil is telling us? Immediately the second that I become aware of a negative thought, what? I, I have to grab it, catch it, bring in the subjection of the word, and if it doesn't line up with the word, I got to remove it, okay? So it's the easiest to be proactive, okay? That's the truth. It's easiest to be proactive. What I do all the time, I was talking to the interns about this, uh, before I, I, even the negative thought has the opportunity to get into my mind, what I wake up every day and I just do a quick internal checklist, okay? My first question I ask myself, what do I think about God, okay? What's going on? What am I thinking about God? How am I feeling towards the Lord? Do I feel angry? Do I feel bothered? Do I feel frustrated? Okay. Number two, I ask myself, how do I feel about myself? Do I feel good about myself? Do I feel like, you know, I'm an achiever, that I'm an overcomer, or do I feel like I'm a failure, that I'm good for nothing? Okay. And number three, I ask myself, how do I feel about my leaders? Okay. Number four, I ask myself, how do I feel about people that are around me? Why? Because unforgiveness, the devil wants to get us out of our love walk, because if he can get us out of our love walk, he could steal our authority, okay? Number five, I ask myself, how do I feel about today? Okay, do I feel good about today? What, do I want to get up and tackle the day? Or do I want to lay back in bed and pull the covers over my head? Do I feel like I'm going to succeed today or do I feel like I'm going to fail today? And number six, what I ask myself is, how do I feel about the future? Am I excited? Do I wake up wanting to meditate? Or do I wake up and feel like it doesn't matter? Okay? What am I doing in those moments? It's literally a quick three-minute check 
But what I'm doing is immediately as soon as I open my eyes, I'm, do, I'm reminding my mind how it's supposed to think. I'm not trying to be reactive and wait for the negative thought to come in. I'm being proactive saying, if there's anything negative going on right there, let's figure it out right now and rewrite it so that I'm not dwelling on something negative. Okay? So that's the first type of soil. This is the best place that you can be, people. Let me tell you. Okay? Don't spend 5, 10, 15 minutes, what, thinking about it, trying to figure it out. If you can, immediately dispose of it. Okay? However, type two, okay, seeds that fall on the shallow ground, okay, and when the sun comes up, uh, the, the plant burns up, okay? The scripture says that this is the people who receive it with joy, okay? Receive it with joy, you know? It, it's like how we feel, you know? You get pumped up in church, and you're like, yes, you know, God is going to do it, and then you walk out the doors, and, you know, you get a little bit of pressure, you know? Literally, you get like a flat tire as you're driving home, and you're like, oh, my life is a mess, Okay? That's the type two kind of soil, okay? You receive the word with gladness, but the pressure of life comes, and what does it do? It just burns up the truth, okay? The problem is, a lot of the time, I think, that we can be the type two type of soil uh, with negative thoughts. But instead of receiving them with joy, I actually looked up what's an antonym for the word joy, okay? So this would be thoughts that don't produce joy because they're positive, this is, these are antonyms of joy. Depression, sadness, misery, discouragement, and mourning. Okay? So this, the, how do I, I acknowledge that the seed has begun to try to take root in my life? Is instead of producing joy, okay, it produces misery, depression, sadness, okay? These things now, these negative emotions become markers to me that say, like, this is, you know, alarms are going off in my brain. When emotion starts to get involved, I'm realizing, whoa, 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 wait a minute. This lie, this is starting to get planted in my heart. Okay? So, where the enemy comes and applies pressure to the truth, now what do I have to do? Exact same thing. Thought comes into my head, I receive it with depression. <laughs> okay? I receive it with sadness, okay? And what do I do? What? I do like the devil does. I put pressure on that lie. Why? Because I understand that that lie, what, it, 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 all is it needs is a little bit of pressure, right? I mean, just like the scripture says that the enemy comes and just puts a little bit of pressure. I mean, you get this hyper supercharged message and you get a flat tire and that's all the pressure that's needed to just like pop your joy bubble. I'm here to tell you something, okay? When you get those feelings, you know, the depression, you have a thought and it makes you sad, I promise you something. You put a little bit of pressure on that baby, okay? And you watch as that lie begins to dry up in your mind. What? You got to put pressure on it. And what do I do? I put pressure on it with the word. Your emotions love to try to tell you what the truth is. But your emotions can only tell you based off of your past. You know, last time this happened, this is how it turned out, so you should be sad. We can't let our emotions dictate to us that's the last thing that we need to do. You know, 
when I feel sad. I'm just being true to myself. You know, no, you're being a fool, okay? Let's just like call it like it is. Who would choose to be sad over being happy, okay? Nobody. But we have to learn what it feels like to put pressure. I'm going to use the word now to put pressure on that thing. Why? Because I know it's just going to take a little bit of pressure. Let me tell you something. You start to feel nervous about uh, a bill comes in the mail and the immediate thought comes that you're going you're gonna to go broke and you receive it with depression, okay? It's only going to take a little bit of pressure. You quote the word three, four, five, six times, actually quote it, and like, my God, shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. Okay, no, like you hype it up. You, like David said, I'm encouraging myself in the Lord. I tell you something, you only got to quote a scripture three or four times and you've now applied enough pressure to that thing that your sadness, what, turns into joy. Okay, so type number one, what, I got to get it, see it, and immediately discard it, okay? Then, you know, maybe you weren't quite as vigilant as you needed to be and so now the, the, the lie comes in and it's kind of rooted itself and you've received it with depression Okay, now what you got to do is you got to begin to put a little bit of pressure on it. Okay, and number three. Okay, number three. The scripture says that some seeds fall on the weeds. And it produces no crops. Okay, when Jesus talked about this uh, and he gave his description of it, he said that what happens is that the truth comes into our hearts and the worries of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things, they enter in and they choke the word until it has become unfruitful, okay? So how do we change? And, and I, I want to tell you, typically what's happening is as we go down the line with these different types of soil, what it's really talking to us about is, is how, much do I, how much do I believe the lie that's, coming, that's in my head, okay? Because if somebody comes to me and they look at me and they're like, Alex, you're a girl, Okay, like to me, because I know that's not true, okay, that's the first type of seed where it's like I hear it and I'm like, yeah, that's dumb, and I just pitch it out, okay, because it, it, there's no way that it can take root because I know that I'm not a girl, okay, and I mean, it doesn't make a difference. You couldn't tell me enough times that I'm a girl. I know that I'm a boy, okay, but the second type of soil is, is where there's maybe something there, okay, so maybe like the, the enemy comes in and, he, he, and, and I see something on my body, let's say right? Because this was a previous area of wounding, which I want to tell you, areas that you've had previous areas of wounding, you always have to be extra vigilant in, in, in really keeping those things covered because your mind has had a lot of practice of what it feels like to go down those negative roads. I know how to tell myself that I'm sick, okay? I had 20 years of practice, and so it's easy for me to go back down that road, okay? That's a lot of the times what this second type of soil is, okay? I receive it with depression because my mind has already been down that road 500 times and I know what it feels like to be down there, okay? And so, that, that, and, and so the deeper that I go in these soils, I realize the more aggressive I need to be because it, uh, the easier it is for a lie to take root in my heart, the more that I have to really intentionally focus and fight against that thing, Okay? So the third type of soil is the most intense type of soil, okay? This is the soil that I like to think about that uh, you ever have those things where maybe you go into Rhema 
or you've been talking to somebody and you have adopted a lie as though it's the truth, okay? Does everybody know what that feels like? Where you're, t- uh, uh, you know, you'd be talking something out with somebody and you make a statement and they're like, whoa, 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 that's totally a lie. And you're like, what? That's not a lie. Like, that is definitely the truth. Okay, and then they take you to the scripture and they're like, no, look at this, this is a lie. And you're like flabbergasted because you're thinking, holy moly, I totally accepted a lie as though it was the truth. Okay, I believe this is what this third type of soil is talking to us about. It's almost like the, the, the lifelong lies that we've adopted in our life as the truth. Okay, these lies, you have to be super duper vigilant at coming against those things. Okay, this was like when I, was te- when I was telling you earlier about how when I was younger and I was afraid that I was going to get sick. Okay, I don't know where this came from. Okay, maybe it was the fact that when I was born, I died. Okay, and I was in an incubator. And maybe when I was in an incubator, the enemy lied to me and told me, well, you're going to die. Okay, I don't know. Okay, but this was something that grew up with me until I was probably like 23 years old. And so it, when, I, when I went to begin to fight the battle against this thing, I had to be crazy vigilant in fighting it because this lie had such a deep root in my life that it had totally intermingled itself with the truth to the place where I don't even know how to differentiate whether this is a lie or it's the truth or what is it. It all kind of looks and feels like it's the same thing. This is for some people in areas of prosperity. Right, where you've always struggled at the end of every single month. What, you, ju- you have just enough or you have almost just enough. And it's like trying to break the cycle of poverty. Or it's like in your relationships where things are going good and they're going good and they're going good. But just you know eventually that thing is going to fail. Okay? These lifestyle things that we've watched habitually, these negative patterns happen in our lives. This is the third type of soil where we have to get serious about fighting against these things. Does that make sense? Okay, I'm almost done. So, these lies, they, they're so wrapped up in us that uh, if we aren't intentional, they have a really amazing way of just continuing to weave their nasty tentacles throughout our lives. I believe a lot of the times why most Christians don't experience all that God has for them is because of this, this third type of soil right here. We have so adopted lies as though they are the truth that any time we try to plant the truth in our heart, it's so intertwined with all the lies and all the junk that's on the inside of us. And because of that, like the scripture says, there's just no fruit. There's no fruit. There's no fruit that ever gets created. And so we have to choose to fight against these. So how do we choke out the lies, okay? So instead of letting the world, in Jesus' example, instead of letting the world choke out the word, we choke out the lies by bringing the lies into our world, okay? What do I mean by this, okay? You need to, I need to, constantly be in an atmosphere of positivity. Okay? How does the, how does the world, how, how does the enemy use, the, uh, use lies to choke out the truth? He does it by cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, lust of other things. Okay? He 
brings our fear, our insecurity, and it comes in and it grows up with the truth. So how do I starve out the lie? I bring my, I, I, I create an environment of, instead of fear, faith. Okay? Instead of dread, hope. Instead of selfishness, love. What happens when I create a soil that's rich with those things? What? The truth grows. The lies are starved. You know, a lot of the times, people have such a hard time dealing with the lies that are on the inside of them because the enemy loves to make us keep our, our stuff in the dark. Doesn't he? He makes you feel like you are the only person who's dealing with this problem. Like, sometimes I'll have meetings with people and they'll be like, oh God, I don't know if I could tell you this. I mean, you're going to think so low of me. Oh God, I'm so nervous. Ah. <sighs> feel like a failure and I'm like dude like every single person in the whole world feels that way and they're like what oh my gosh I feel so free already the enemy loves to do that to us he loves to get us to keep our junk in the dark why because he knows what if, if, if you put somebody in an atmosphere where they feel comfortable okay they feel like they can share they feel like they can be vulnerable that's an atmosphere for freedom Okay, that's the way that we choke out the lies, okay, is I get around a bunch of people that when I say, you know, I'm just sort of feeling like I'm a failure, you got like 18 people that are jumping on you, and they're like giving you prophetic words, and they're like, oh my God, we need to pray for you, let's cast out the devil, you're so amazing, oh God is going to do such great, okay, okay, isn't that the truth, but what, because what does the world do, okay, cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, lust of other things, what does that look like? Work, commercials, Netflix. Okay? Isn't that the truth? Okay? Video games, whatever. Okay? <laughs> so we create what? An environment where lies just don't have an opportunity to grow. Let me tell you something. This is why we gather around people who are like us. Sometimes I get that, and people, they have this, like, really difficult time, and I totally get it. Like, uh, you know, I think it's great to have friends or whatever, but this is the reality, okay? If your friends are keeping you down, it's time for them to go, okay? Like, I, I, I just want to be totally honest with you. Uh, you could go read any entrepreneurial magazine, okay? Any self-help book, and one of the very first things they're going to tell you is if, you know, you show me your, what, five friends, and I'll tell you where you're going to be in five years, okay? That's a secular person saying that. He understands, oh, what? If that guy is keeping you down, what? He's not worth your time. It's worth it. Your future is worth finding some new friends. This is why we come to church. Can I be honest with you? The reason we're coming to church, yes, it's awesome. You get to look at good-looking people like me, right? Hallelujah for that. Thank you. No, no. We come to church. Why? So that I can get around a bunch of people that when I'm having a bad day, what? I've created soil around me. 
good soil that's all around me that when I come through and I've got something that I'm really having a hard time beating, I can go to my Aunt Jenny and say, hey, this is what's going on on the inside of my head. I need you to just what? Start pumping some faith, some hope, some love onto the inside of me. I need you to fill my soil with some good nutrients because I know when those godly nutrients get all up in my soil, it's going to choke out the lies. It's not going to even have an opportunity to grow anymore. This is why we come to church, okay? This is why you have mentors, okay? I encourage everybody to have a mentor. I have a mentor. You need a mentor for one main reason, okay? You got blind spots, okay? There's areas, like I said, that we hold in our hearts, deception that we think is the truth, okay? We've got ways of thinking, patterns of thinking that we think are the right way to think until you realize it's the wrong way to think. You need somebody who could speak into your life to create a soil for you, even when you don't know how to create the soil, okay? This is why we go to Rhema, inner healing, okay? Because I, there's some things that are on the inside of me, strongholds that I have created on the inside of me that I need somebody to help me walk through so that I can see the truth. Let me tell you, it is time for us to fight against our negativity, it's time for us to step into our place of our true identity. Okay, you are a king and a priest. You are a son and daughter of God. You have no business thinking the negative thoughts. But what? We have to become vigilant to fight against negativity, to fight against the lies of the enemy, and to simply embrace the person that God says that we are. Amen? So Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, God, for everything that you're doing in our life, Lord, for the truth that you've given to us, because we know, God, that you promise us that when we receive the truth, that it will set us free. Lord, we're declaring, God, that we have good soil for the truth and bad soil for the lies. Lord, that we're an inhospitable environment for lies and negativity to grow. So right now, Heavenly Father, we just embrace our true nature, the trueness and the goodness of who you said that we are. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.